funny is I'm, I'm an introvert, so I actually hate the meet and greet time. But when you're preaching, it's kind of nice. You get a moment to get relaxed up here. So I use it a lot, but I hate it when I'm the one sitting out there. Good job, guys. All right. Uh, today I'm going to be preaching on the spiritual discipline of reading the Bible. The title of this message is Bible 101. Bible 101. And I want to encourage you guys to take notes. That would bless me. Um, you can even pretend, but it would still bless me. Uh, I'm going to share in this message why reading the Bible is important, why the Bible is important to us as Christians, and some important steps for going deeper in the Word. First, though, I want to give just a very brief background on what the Bible is. And uh, the Bible is considered by Christians to be the Word of God. I'm going to put up a lot of slides back here. 2 Timothy 3.16 reads, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, this is a very clear verse in the Bible that says, the Bible is God-breathed, is God-inspired. There are 66 books in the Bible, and all of it is considered by Christians to be God-breathed, inspired by God. The first 39 chapters in the Bible are from the Old Testament. Another word for testament is covenant. Covenant. This was written for the Jewish people. It was a covenant for the Jewish people. It includes the Ten Commandments that you guys are all very familiar with. And it was meant to set apart God's people, that if they followed the covenant with God and obeyed his rules and his laws, they would be his people. But the truth is, is that covenant is just like every other religion in the world. You see, every religion in the world teaches if you do works, you will either be with God in heaven, that's Judaism, that's Islam, it's a lot of other religions, or you will become your own God. So especially a lot of Eastern Asian religions like Buddhism, Taoism, Shintoism, that you will become your own God if you do enough works. But you see, the Israelites, God's people, they couldn't do it. They just could not fulfill the law. And so God said there needs to be a new covenant. In Jeremiah 31, 31, it reads, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel with the house of Judah, with my people, I will make a new covenant. And that is the New Testament, the new covenant, which has 27 books that were all written very shortly after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The New Testament was written in Greek by people who are either eyewitnesses or followed Jesus's disciples closely. The new covenant was a covenant of grace. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion on the planet. It's the one religion that says you can't do it. Your works can't make you God. Your works can't make you be with God. It's only God's grace is the way to salvation. This is Christianity, Bible 101, Old Testament and New Testament. I'm going to give you guys, there's many reasons for us to read the Bible. Today, I'm just going to focus on two of the bigger reasons why it's important for us to be in God's word, preferably daily. First reason is the Bible is God's love letter to us. The Bible is God's love letter to us. One of the most well-known verses in the Bible is John 3.16. It reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God 
loves us. And the greatest act of love in history was God coming down in the form of Jesus, living among us, and dying for our sins. By his death and resurrection, we now can be saved through grace. But imagine if there was no John 3.16. Imagine if there was no Bible. All we would know of God would be the stories passed down verbally some 2,000 years ago. We wouldn't feel confident about knowing what's truth and what isn't. We wouldn't feel confident knowing how God feels about us and what he desires for us. You see, the Bible is God's love letter to us. The Bible reveals to us how God feels about us, what God desires for us, what God has done for his people, and what he will do. Just look at those things. That makes up a very good love letter. Love letters should include feelings, desires, memories, and promises. The Bible is filled with these things. And in a loving relationship, love needs to go both ways, both giving and receiving. The Bible shares all the ways that God has given his love to us and also how he will continue to love us. The Bible also shares what God desires for us. This is what God enjoys. This is what God does not enjoy. This is what blesses his heart. And this is what grieves his heart. The Bible tells us how we can love God and what ways of life please him. You see, from my wife being married to Sky for over eight years, I've learned things that please her, things that don't please her. I've learned that she really likes it when I leave my Wednesdays empty and we have our date day on that day. Wednesdays has been our date day since we were dating in 2011, and it continues to be. She loves that. And so I'm very careful with my Wednesdays. At least I try to be as careful as possible with my Wednesdays so that we always have quality time together. I've also learned things she doesn't like, like she doesn't enjoy when we sit down to a meal and I put up my cell phone right next to the plate. And I look at it. And I look at it. Or I think of something and I pull it in the middle of conversation. She's quality time. That doesn't work. And you know, at the the beginning, it was a hard habit to stop. But because I love her, because I care for her, I've learned. No cell phone at the table. We're putting that away, putting it on silent. We're not even going to look at it. I'm going to focus on her. She feels so loved by by me when I do that. Now, if I didn't love her, I would say that's legalistic. It's controlling. Why are you making me do this? I'd be bitter about it. Just let me look at what I want. I'm trying to rest here. But because I do love her, I'm willing to do it. I want to do it. Sometimes there's a cost to doing things for the people that we love, but because our love is greater, we'll always bear that cost. We won't do it with bitterness. See, by reading God's word, we're able to know what pleases his heart, and we're able to grow more deeply in love with him. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. For me, uh, I grew up in the church, and although I became a Christian when I was uh, about a junior in high school, I wasn't really that close with God. I didn't have a great hunger for God, and I honestly, I viewed the Bible as a rule book. I viewed it as something that if I read this, I'm a good Christian. If I don't read this, I'm a bad Christian. So I did read the Bible, not a lot, but you know, I, I read it, and I got nothing out of it. And it wasn't until I got into college and I joined a Christian fellowship 
that I began to experience God in new ways. You see, the worship at that fellowship was really powerful. I'd feel things in my heart that I hadn't felt before during worship. And they were really hungry for the Lord, and they would share testimonies and just began to awaken up. Wow, God's a lot bigger than I thought he was. And a leader in my house church asked me, hey, I want you to join my accountability group. So I joined and sat down with three other guys. They said, all right, we're going to read uh, the Bible 24 chapters a week. And then on our accountability day, we'll gather and we'll share from the word. When I heard that, I thought 24 chapters in a week, that's more than I read in a month. (laughs) What am I going to do? Like this, this just like, I'm not going to have time for this. This is going to be torture. This is going to be so hard. That's honestly how I felt. But I saw the hunger in them and I felt like I, I need to grow in this. And he assigned to us Isaiah as the first book for us to read. So I open up Isaiah 1, and I read it, and I'm like, all right, what did I get out of this? It just seems like God's angry. All right, Isaiah 2, oh, he's still angry. Isaiah 3, there's a lot of anger here, God. And that's how I felt. And I read 24 chapters, and that was about all I got out of it. And uh, I went and joined, you know, met with an accountability group. And I began to hear what they had gotten out of the Word. And it was a lot different than what I had gotten out of it. And uh, God's Word began to be illuminated to me. It began to open up. And as I continued to grow in the house church and the fellowship and in worship and, and just starting to pray a bit more, this hunger started to grow within me. You know, I, I don't have this on a slide, but Psalm 34, 7 says, Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And what was happening was I was beginning to taste and see that God is good. And his word is considered the, the bread of life. It's, it's, it's our daily bread. And I began to become hungry for that word. So I began to read, and I began to read more and more. And I began to just grow in love with the Bible. And God began to reveal so much to me. Uh, I would take notes. Uh, every every chapter I would read, and, and my goal was, after reading Isaiah and getting nothing out of it, was, okay, every chapter I read, I'm going to write down just one sentence of something I get out of this chapter. And if you look back at that old document, you will see Isaiah 1, God is angry. You know, Isaiah 2, God's angry at Egypt now, or, you know, something like that. God's angry at this. But then as you go through the document, the more I would read, the more I would write. And then you see two sentences, three sentences, four sentences. And it got to the point where for some chapters, I was reading, writing a full page, single space, 12 point font, just on that chapter. I don't, I don't forget how long the document is. I think it's 400 something pages long now, but that was what I did in college. Now I look back at that document and I read what I wrote and it was very elementary. It was very like, oh, I didn't know what I was thinking then, but I was just initially growing with God. I was like a child with the Word. Now I've read through the Bible almost, you know, every translation out there, read through it so many times, but I'm still hungry for more because it's a love letter that's rich, and it's a love letter that's breathing. It's not just a temporary love letter that this is how I felt when I'm 17 or when I was 22 or whatever. This is an eternal love letter. God's Word is eternal. For us. So every time you read it, there's something new. There's something new for you. Then I came to Korea and I moved into an orphanage uh, at the end of 2005. And before I'd read the word as it just pertained to me. But suddenly God began to open up my eyes to his heart for others, for the orphan, and for the broken. And I realized this love letter is not just for me. This is for everyone here on earth, especially the broken. And then I began to experience God's love in an even deeper way, an even more powerful way. It wasn't just his love for me, but it's his love for mankind. It's his love for the broken and for the lost. 
His love is immeasurable. Ephesians 3, 17 and 18 says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. There's no end to his love. It's high, it's deep, it's wide, it's long, and it is immeasurable. I'm telling you, as you ask God for a hunger for his word, and as you just begin to read it, it might not make that much sense to you early on, but as you keep into it, as you continue to ask God for revelation, you're going to grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of the Lord, and there will be no stop to your growth with him. His love is amazing. So my first reason for reading the word of God is that it is God's love letter for us. We're able to know his love for us and what he desires for us to do. Another reason for reading the Bible is because there is power in knowing God's truth. There is power in knowing God's truth. The Bible is indisputable because it is the word of God. Indisputable truth possesses great power. John 17, 17 says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to be set apart or to make holy. Or another translation is to purify from sin. Purify them from sin by the truth. Your word is truth. Words that are truth cannot be twisted or disputed. They are powerful. Hebrews 4, 12. It's a powerful verse right here. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it even goes into the spirit realm, soul and spirit. I think the most vivid way for me that I've seen the word, God's word as a sword has been in deliverance ministry. I still remember the first time I ever saw a demon manifest. You don't usually forget that, you know, the first time that you see that. Uh, I was at a college fellowship retreat, and the Spirit of God was really moving. People were getting ministered to powerfully. And then a student fell out and started convulsing. And it wasn't happy convulsing. Um, it, was, it was pretty disturbing. And so a couple of the pastors there took her out into another room. She had been uh, in my freshman Bible study, um, this, this young lady. And so I went in, you know, and saw her. And I'd never seen anyone in that condition before. I didn't grow up in a charismatic church or anything like that. And uh, I was just, I was overwhelmed. And I began praying for her fervently. And nothing was happening. She was just continuing in her condition. And I felt powerless. I really felt powerless. There were other pastors there that were also praying that way. Nothing was going on. And then another pastor came in, very calm. He sat down and he just spoke, began to speak to her with authority, using scripture, very calmly. And she very quickly came back to her right mind. And I was just blown away. I was like, where did this authority come from? I, I pray to God every day. By that time in college, I'd grown with the Lord so much. I was praying a lot each day, reading through the Bible, you know, like so much, serving so much. Why did I not have that authority? Why did this man have such authority? And I began to see it was because he was filled with the word of God and he was using it like a sword with authority. 
How do you pray with authority? You pray by the word of God. His word is truth. His word is eternal. His word cannot be denied by any power. Devil can't dispute his word. Devil can't say no, no, no to his word. There's just no, no to it. His word has power. And so a year later, I was at another fellowship gathering. Spirit of God was moving. And, um, uh, you know, different people were being ministered to. I was actually leading this meeting. And a girl fell out, was, you know, on, on the ground. And it wasn't as messy as the retreat or anything. But she it wasn't great. There was a group of students gathered around her they're praying for her. But they were praying just like I would prayed the year before. No authority. You know, I heard one person very weakly, stop, you know, like, stop. <laughs> and I thought, it's, that's not going to work, you know. But you know what? You get up and yell, it's not going to work. You got to have the authority of the Holy Spirit through his word, through standing on his truth, the spirit of God. And so I just walked over and very calmly put my hand over and just began to pray. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Peace, peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. I wasn't yelling or, or doing anything strong. I was just speaking that verse very softly. And her breathing began to slow, calm, completely calm. And then you could just see God's peace. Smile over her face. And she was still out, but just a smile came over her. It's the power of God. And I remember students looking at me just like I looked at that one passage a year before. Like, hey, why does it work for you? You know, but not for us. It was because that was a verse I'd meditated on. A verse I'd written in my heart. And a verse that I just, this is what God desires for his people. Shalom, peace. So I'm just going to speak this. I don't need to talk to demon. I don't need to do anything like that. I'm just going to speak the word of God and peace comes. Power of God comes. Now you may think, well, hey, I don't plan to start a deliverance ministry and, you know, I'll never get to the point of dealing with demons. So I don't really need to go that far. But the truth is you've been dealing with demons your whole life. They just don't always manifest those temptations of lust, of greed, of envy or other evils, those addictions that you faced, usually there's a spirit behind those things. It's not all just your flesh saying, oh, I want a donut. That's often your flesh. But hey, you know, when it gets deeper into sin, deeper into addiction, deeper into things that you know are completely wrong, it's usually the devil behind it. Cartoons know it well, you know. They got the little angel and they got the little devil. There's some truth to that uh, in terms of how the enemy speaks. So we need to know how to rebuke the enemy. We need to know how to fight. Psalm 119.9, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you try to fight sin with your own words and your own will, you will never be victorious. We started a healing deliverance ministry at this church. And uh, I remember, you know, people come in, they'd have different sin that they weren't convicted of. And I would see other leaders trying to tell them, hey, you shouldn't be sleeping with other people. You know, hey, you shouldn't be, you know, bowing down to your, your ancestors. Or you shouldn't be doing this. And certain people would be like, I, I want to do what I want. I don't care. And they'd be like, hey, well, it's going to affect you or it's going to, doesn't work. And I'd be like, all right, open up your Bible. <laughs> you know, let me show you this verse. They read the verse and they say, I want to repent. 
suddenly the conviction of God comes upon them because while they can dispute what some person's argument, worldly argument is, they cannot dispute the argument of heaven, the truth of God. There is power in his word. And as you meditate on the word, you start to get power against those temptations, against those lies, because you are now plugged into a higher power. Truth of God. The devil wants you to meditate on the evil. He wants you to just fight with your flesh. God says, meditate on the truth. You'll be set free. John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. There is power to knowing God's truth. When the devil tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus had the same response to every temptation. His same response was, it is written. And he quoted a verse. Devil had nothing to say. Second temptation. It is written. He quoted a verse. Devil had nothing to say. Third temptation. It is written. Quoted the verse. The devil's like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. And the devil even tried to use scripture with a third temptation. He tried to twist scripture. And this is why we need to know the word of God for ourselves. We can't just rely on podcasts and things like that. We need to have a personal relationship with God. Because the devil's going to try and twist the truth. But Jesus knew better because he knew the truth in his own heart. It is written. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. It is written. And he will flee from you. If you want to resist the devil, then get to know God's truth. Let God's word consume you, and I guarantee the devil will flee. I've, I've discipled many brothers who struggle with pornographic addiction, sex addiction, different things like that. I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. I've tried everything, tried everything, tried everything. Okay, let's really try God. Let's really try prayer and reading the word, starting to meditate on the word. And oftentimes it's not somewhere it's like, boom, oh, now I'm, I'm completely free. But it's some they have to walk out. You have to walk out. You have to walk with the Lord. And the more you walk with the Lord, the less the devil has a grip on you. And whereas before you're on the ground, the devil has his foot on, on your neck and you're just choking and trying to get by. As you read the word, as you grow stronger in him, soon you're going to be able to get up, take the devil, throw him down and put your foot on his neck. Okay. And those temptations, they may come here and there, but you push it away just like that. I'm telling you this from my own experience and from the experience of many people that I've discipled. That's the truth. God's word is truth. His truth will set you free. So what are some steps for growing in the Bible? Because, you know, if I'd heard this message back when I joined that accountability group, I've been like, wow, that's really powerful. But man, when I open up the Bible, I got nothing out of it. You got to take some steps and you got to, you can't put yourself out there, you know, too hard and push yourself too hard. You got to go and grow gradually. And so I'm going to teach you guys five steps for growing in the word of God. Now, as you came in, there should have been a blank sheet of paper at your seat. So we're going to do an activity and I want you to get a blank piece of paper. If you don't have one where you're seated, they're all around you. Uh, go ahead and grab a blank sheet of paper. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. So, so please. Grab a sheet of paper. And those of you who need a pen, I want to ask you to raise your, raise your hand. And uh, Sol Jung in the back, she's going to pass out pens for you guys. There's paper all around, guys. So if, if you don't have it at your seat, look at the seat behind you or around you, and you'll find a sheet of paper. I'm 
I'm going to teach you guys the five fingers of growing in the Word of God. So what I want you to do is now that you've gotten this sheet of paper, if your hand is like mine and is really big, you can use a whole sheet of paper. If it's like uh, Pastor Susie's, maybe you just use half sheet of paper. Uh, you're going to trace your hand. That wasn't a shot. That was just, you know. Um, you're going to trace your hand on the sheet of paper, okay? So put, put one of your hands down on the sheet of paper and trace your hand on the sheet of paper. I'm going to teach you guys the five fingers for growing in the Word of God. <laughs> Susie. All right. Everybody do it? Everybody able to trace, trace your hand? Good. Now, by the pinky finger... We're going to start with a pinky finger. I want you to write down hearing. Hearing. The first step for growing in the Word of God is hearing the Word of God. First got to hear it. I'm going to read some verses for you. Proverbs 8.33 says, Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Proverbs 8.33. Now these next verses are a bit stronger. This is from the parable of the sower. When the, the farmer goes out and sows the seed, and some of it's on rocky soil, some of it's on thorny soil, it's on dry ground, and then some of it's on good soil. Luke 8.11 says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Luke 8.15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by pers- persevering, produce a crop. Notice that persevering. I needed some perseverance my, my first year in college. Persevering. Luke eight eighteen. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully how you listen when you hear the Word of God, when it's preached, when you're in house church, when you're in accountability group, when you're listening to a podcast. When you hear the, the Word of God, consider carefully how you're listening. What is your posture? So here are some tips for becoming an effective listener. One would be bring your Bible. It blows me away that as smartphones have taken over, no one brings their Bible anymore. It's just too big. I mean, look at this book. It's just so big and heavy. Okay, it's not that heavy. You guys can bring it. Bring your Bible, and when a passage is read, don't just listen to it, but try and follow along. It's going to help you become a more effective listener. Try and process what you're hearing through taking notes. That's why I encourage you guys to take notes today. Taking notes helps you be an effective listener. It means it's not just going in one ear and out the other, but you're actually listening to what the person is saying and showing that by writing it down. Okay? Take some notes. Also, put your phone on silent or avoid media leading into the service, things that distract you. Okay, now think like my wife. She is big quality time. If I'm sitting at the table, all right, and I'm looking at the phone, I got the TV on in the background, you know, I, I got some other thing I'm trying to do, she will not feel loved at all, and she'll know I'm not really listening to a word she's saying. She'll be like, you're not listening. I'll be like, oh, no, I'm listening, and I'll say what she just said, but the truth is that was all I had heard, you know. Us guys have been there, yeah. Uh, turn off the distractions. And, and what can really help is sometimes just, Avoiding media for a while before you go into a sermon. 
Avoiding the things that you're gonna, your mind's going to go to the moment it's on pause. Try and avoid those things. Don't be like the shallow soil that hears and forgets. Don't be like the soil in the thorns that hears but gets overwhelmed by distractions. Take in the word of God. Look up the scripture for yourself. Take notes. Ask God what he is speaking to you. Learn to be a good listener. That's the very first step for any Christian is listening. Next step in growing in the word of God is the ring finger. Next to it, please write reading. We first hear the word of God. Next, we begin to read it for ourselves. Reading. Deuteronomy 17, 19 says it, pointing to God's word. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees. Reading tips. Best tip I could give you today is before you read the Bible, say a very short prayer. A lot of people say a prayer before they eat their their food. Say a prayer before you eat the word. Very short prayer, asking the Spirit of God to give you revelation. God wants to speak to you. It's very obvious. He wants to speak to you. But sometimes we have to put ourselves in a posture where we want to hear. We're not just trying to do something to check it off of our list. Okay, I did my reading moving on. That's how I was when I first joined that accountability group. All right, I just got to read these 24 chapters so I don't get judged. You know, that's not the posture that God wants. Posture God wants is, I want to know you more. So you don't have to pray a really long prayer. Nobody likes it when people pray really long prayers before they eat their food. You know, just a short prayer. Spirit of God, grant me revelation. Speak to me. I want to know you more. Something like that. And I'm telling you guys, it will help you. It will really help you. Ask God for wisdom. He's going to give it to you. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Another thing I recommend in reading is to read the Bible in a systematic way. Don't rely on a quiet time book as your source for scripture. Quiet time books are fine, all right? The daily devotional, things like that, you know, where it's like one verse, some random proverb or whatever, and it meditates on that. That's cool. But if that is you reading the Bible, it's not going to cut it, okay? You need to be in the Word of God yourself, and you need to be forming your own opinions as well. You can't just rely on devotionals and other books to form your own opinions of God, your own relationship with God. you got to grow yourself with the Lord. So read in a systematic way. What that means is don't just open up your Bible to Isaiah 26 and read Isaiah 26. Next day, I think I'm going to read John 14. Don't do that. All right, you want to read John, start with John 1. And read a chapter, two chapters, four chapters, whatever it is that is at your pace, that you're comfortable with, that you look forward to, read at that pace. Finish John and move on to another book. It can be another part of the Bible. That's fine. Just don't start in the middle of a book. Don't go random. It gets scattered. You're not, it's like getting a love letter and saying, uh, I'm going to read page three, okay, and I'm good. That just doesn't make sense. Try to be systematic as you read the Word. Also, remove distractions around you so you can focus on the Word. Don't listen to secular music when you're reading the Bible, um, you know. Turn on some praise on if you want music or just turn off music, turn off TV, turn off stuff that's going to distract you. Focus on the Word of God. Uh, for me, I like to underline some people like their Bible looking very pretty. Okay, I, I don't. Like, if you look at this, it's very messy. 
Uh, there's soft underline, there's hard underline, there's messy underline because my pen got runny. All right, there's, there's stars next to it. There's notes on the side of something that stood out to me. There's crosses where it's, oh, this is a reference to Jesus. Um, you know, write notes in your Bible. God likes that, okay? God's blessed by that. He's not like, oh, don't desecrate my word. But no, all right? <laughs> he, he loves it when you write things in it that it shows you're getting something out of it. Even write question marks if you don't get it. And then in your accountability group or say the next Bible gathering, which would be the first Sunday of, of February, bring those questions and ask them. Grow with the Lord. Don't just leave it there. Really try and grow deeper as you read. Shut off the distractions. Underline star. Take notes. Write down questions. Learn to be a good reader. The next finger, the lovely finger, I want you to write down meditating. Meditating. This is the one where a lot of people's eyes kind of glaze over. It's like, what does that mean? They think of chanting. That's not meditating. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditate on the word of God. Meditation is dwelling on the word. It's thinking about it beyond just the time that you read it. That's what meditating is. You see, you're always meditating on something. You always are. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. What do I want to eat? What do I want to eat? You're meditating on your hunger. Okay, sports, sports, NFL, playoffs, Ravens lost, Ravens lost. Okay, you're meditating on sports. Your mind's always going somewhere, guys. Don't think that, oh, I don't know how to meditate. No, you're actually really good at meditating, usually on dumb things. Okay, let's just be honest. Meditating on the Word of God is going back, thinking about it, praying about it investigating it. It's asking questions about it, studying it. One of the ways I meditate when I read through the word is that when I read a chapter, I underline verses that stand out to me. Okay. And I'll, you know, I'll underline it. And I've, I've read through this Bible many times. So almost every verse is underlined now, but you know, when I, you get a clean Bible and you, you might only get like a few verses out of a chapter, maybe just one that kind of stands out to you, underline it. And then when I'm done reading that chapter, I go back to the underlying verses and I try and pray through them. Okay, for example, Psalm 9.9 says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. That's a powerful word. That's truth. God is a refuge for the oppressed. Now, we don't see that truth around us much because this world has fallen. And it's up to us to pray to reveal the kingdom of God, to bring the kingdom of God. So I make it my prayer. God, you are a refuge to the oppressed. I pray that you be a refuge to these orphans. I pray that they may feel your warmth and your safety. You're a refuge to the oppressed. I pray for the refugees. I pray that you deliver them, that your grace be with them. Again, I'm not doing really long prayers, you know, taking hours and hours. It's just very simple. But when I do that, I'm meditating on the word. I'm applying it as well. There's power when you do this. When you speak out the word and you pray it, you're not only meditating on it, you're releasing the sword of the spirit. Other meditation suggestions include joining an accountability group. You see, whenever you get together with people and you start to share about the word, you are meditating on the word. Anytime I get together with brothers and we talk about fantasy football, we're meditating on fantasy football. You guys understand this? It's what your thoughts are on. It's what you're speaking on. It's what you're getting into. 
When you get together and you share about the word, you're meditating on the word of God. Join an accountability group or a Bible study or a house church and share about the word together. Hearing other people's thoughts can broaden your perspectives of what God is speaking. Reading commentaries, listening to sermons, reading books on specific topics like grace or faith or the Holy Spirit are other ways to meditate on God's word. Next is the index finger. Okay, for now, fourth, fourth step for growing in the word of God. This is everyone's favorite step. Memorizing. Yay. Okay, memorizing. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word. Other translations say, I have written your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. You want authority? Have the word of God written in you. Just like I shared about praying for people that were oppressed, praying for people that were hurting. When you pray out the word of God, when you get some swords in your arsenal, there's power when you pray. But when you don't know God's truth, your prayers are just like whatever. Okay, you got no promises that you're standing on. But when you have God's truth written in you, there's power. There is anointing. Uh, some tips for memorizing scripture would be write scripture on some note cards. Carry them with you. Review them on the subway instead of looking at your phone. Okay, try looking at the scripture. Just read it. Read it over and try and memorize it. Do it when you're exercising. Those of you guys, I see your pictures on Facebook in the gym. You know, you got to rest between sets. Take a minute. All right, memorize the scripture. Put them up in the bathroom, all right, above the mirror. A lot of people are in, you know, looking at the mirror a lot, doing makeup, or they're just in the bathroom a lot. Put some scripture in there. Meditate on the word of God. Make that place holy, okay? Uh, but what I, what I like to do, one thing is uh, I write out verses that I really enjoy, that really bless me, those verses that I underline, but specific verses they are just really deep, favorite verses. And I'll write them on note cards, and I'll put like a ring around it, punch a hole, put a ring around it. And then one week, once a week, what I like to do is take those note cards and pray through them. And I'll read the scripture, and I'll just pray it, you know, for people, whether it's for the orphanage, whether it's for the church, whether it's for family or for whatever. And I try and memorize it. So that then I just look at the reference rather than looking at the verse on the back. I look at the reference. Okay, you know, Psalm 63, 3, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. God, I pray that my friends who are not saved may know your love that is better than life. They may know that you're far better than the addictions that they're in. That they can taste you and see that you're better than the drugs. You're better than the alcohol. There's power when you do that. So that's one way to do it, just once a week in your prayer time. And, and if you're struggling even in prayer, that's a good method of prayer. You know, do it, and do it as long as you feel energized for it. This is one of my greatest tips for people that are growing in the Word, is don't try and push yourself too hard. There's some new Christians that they'll see, you know, a really strong person with the Lord praying for like two hours a day. They'll be like, i got to pray like that. And after like ten minutes, they're exhausted. It's like looking at a marathon runner and being like, I want to run like that. I'm going to run a marathon right now. And then I run to the back of the room and I'm like this. Okay, you got to know your pace and you got to know God wants you to desire him. And so when you sit down, when you, you know, read, when you pray, you want to be asking God, God, give me a desire for you. And you want to spend as much time as you enjoy. Is what excites you. Okay, Pastor Susie shared last week, God doesn't want you to come and and to be like, all right, I guess I got to do this. God doesn't want you to have this that heart. He wants you to really enjoy it.
And there will be certain days where you don't even have that desire at all, but you just got to kind of pray, you know, and do it. That's what marriage is. Most of the days are like, I love being with my spouse, you know, but there are those days where it can be a little bit hard. But on those days, we don't despise our spouse or try and, you know, go somewhere else. We still go through it. And usually by the end of that day, we're just as in love with that person as we were before. Okay. Memorize. Memorize. So start with listening. Next, grow in reading. As you're growing in reading, learn how to meditate. Join these fellowships and grow. As you start meditating and you find certain verses that you really meditate on a lot that you really like, write them on your heart. Memorize them. Early on, a lot of people are like, I can't memorize. I just can't do it. But I'm telling you, your brain is a muscle. You just got to use it. Okay? And so early on, you might struggle memorizing. But the more you memorize, the easier it gets. The easier it gets. All right, last finger. This is the thumb. Most important. The final step, most important step for growing in the Word of God is applying. Applying. I know you guys are guessing. I'm curious what the guesses were. Applying. You can listen, read, meditate, and memorize all the Scripture in the Bible, but if you are not applying it, then you've gained nothing. Those are the Pharisees in the Bible. They, they had the law memorized, but they didn't apply it at all in their lives. James one twenty two says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In another translation, NASB, it says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Got to apply the word of God. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 is the parable of the man who builds his house on a rock. It says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice and applies them is like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who's built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell down with a great crash. Applying the word of God means that when the word of God convicts you regarding a specific sin, or an unhealthy behavior, that you respond to the word and you repent. You change your behavior. You ask God for grace to change, to repent, to turn from your sin. When you read the word and it convicts you regarding a, a behavior, an emotion, or growing in love, growing in peace, growing in gentleness, growing in his heart, and other specific ways that you pray and you ask God for grace in these areas and you really make an effort to make changes in your life so that you are living according to the word. Let the word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Now, curious, not to shame anyone here, but who has their Bibles? Lift, lift them up. Let's see. Okay, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, I, all right, there's, there's some out there. What we're going to do is those who have a Bible, you're going to pick up your Bible like this. Those who have your smartphone, we'll pick up your smartphone and hold it like this. This is your grip on the Word of God. Satan wants to steal the Word of God out of your hand. Now, if all you're doing is listening, then your grip is your pinky finger. Hold that with your pinky finger, no thumb. Hold it with your pinky finger, okay, like this, no thumb. Now, your neighbor is the devil. They're going to try and steal the Word from you. you got to let them get their hand, their full hand, on that Bible or on that smartphone and let them try and take it from you. Go ahead. Let's see how strong your grip is. 
Okay? Can't use your thumb. Can't use your thumb. No thumb. All right, I'm curious. Was any anyone able to hold on? Anyone able to hold on? All right, let's give you guys another finger. Now you're reading and you're listening. No thumb, remember? No thumb at all. All right, pinky and and, uh, and ring finger. Try it again. Try it again. See if you can keep that grip. Pull it from each other. Anybody get it? Anybody able to hold on? Okay. All right, guys, now I want you to use all five fingers. You are reading, you are listening, you're meditating, you're memorizing, and you're applying. You have your thumb as well. Hold it. Firm grip. Now let your neighbor try and steal it from you. Give it a shot. You notice the difference? You see, that just demonstrated your walk with the Lord and your power against the devil, where, where you're at, okay? If all you're doing is you're just listening, you're just a Sunday Christian, you're just coming out here, guess what? When the devil tries to steal the truth from you, he's going to steal the truth from you, all right? But as you begin to grow with the Lord, and as you begin to start to get a greater grip on the Word, suddenly temptation is going to start to lose its power. Suddenly the lies that would come against you, try and make you feel depressed, try and make you feel low, try and discourage you, suddenly aren't as powerful as they once were. The voices of the enemy become more and more faint because now you're listening to the voice of God. So I want to encourage you, church, grow. Listening, reading, meditating, memorizing, and applying. God's going to bless you. And I want to close by saying that this world right now is rapidly changing. Morals are becoming more and more blurred. You see things that behavior that would have appalled people 20 years ago, even in America, are now not just accepted, but if you disagree with that behavior, you're a bigot. I had a friend just go to America and and visited San Francisco, L.A., and D.C., and he was shocked by how he was judged for eating meat, that because you eat meat, you hate animals, okay? And then other people that he met were all talking about gay marriage and gay rights. And, you know, he wasn't as supportive of gay marriage, but he realized if he voiced that at all, he'd be labeled, he'd be hated on, you're a bigot. Okay? And the voices that are pushing immorality are becoming stronger and stronger, just as they were in the days of Noah, just as they were in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says that in the end times that it will be just like the days of Noah, just like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, when darkness starts to fill the land more. And if you are not anchored in the word of God, you're going to drift away. And those lies that society are trying to say that everything's okay, go your own way, don't judge me, you judge me and and you're evil, you need to not only not judge me, but now you got to become a vegan, you got to become this, you got to do that. That spirit is becoming more and more rampant. We have the hold to the word of God. You see, 2 Peter 2.2 says in those days, many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. They're going to start to twist the truth. They're going to try and make you think, oh, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay, 
this is okay. But you see, their God is not our God. Their God is themselves. And they want to love themselves. That's the anthem of this generation. Love yourself. They want to love themselves, and so they want to do what pleases them. And if you get in their way, you're their enemy. All right, you see, we as Christians, we don't serve ourselves. And we've learned that we're not meant to follow our heart. We're not meant to go our own way. We're meant to go the narrow path. We're meant to go God's ways. We're meant to take up our cross daily and surrender to him and love for him because he alone is our savior and he's the God that we're living for. So I want to encourage you, church, have an active relationship with God in prayer and in the word. Let these be the staples to your life. Cling to it. Only the Bible is indisputable. Treasure in it. Ask God, show me your love. Show me your heart. Show me what you desire. God, write your truth within me that I may walk with you. Let the truth of God be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You will be blessed.